Welcome to the second series of podcasts focusing on innovative design trials from the Health Research Authority, the NIHR CRN Coordinating Centre, and in this series, the NIHR Office for Clinical Research Infrastructure. This time, we will be discussing some of the key learning points from the COVID-19 pandemic, and we will be building on the further questions around the management and delivery of complex, innovative design trials during the pandemic. My name is Alan Gaw, and it's a pleasure to have you with us. I'm joined today by Pamela Kearns, who is Professor of Clinical Paediatric Oncology at the University of Birmingham. There, she is also Director of the Cancer Research UK Clinical Trials Unit in the Institute of Cancer and Genomic Sciences, as well as being an honorary consultant at the Birmingham Women and Children's Hospital. Professor Kern's research has focused on the development of new therapies for refractory childhood cancer, extending from preclinical laboratory-based studies through to early phase clinical trials. Designed through the Cancer Research UK Clinical Trials Unit, Professor Kern's has also been leading a team working to design the COVID-19 Phase 2 clinical trial, Catalyst, which aims to rapidly test new therapies for hospitalised patients. Professor Kearns, thank you very much for speaking with me today. I mentioned in my introduction that amongst your many roles, you are working on the Catalyst trial. And I wonder if I could begin by asking you to tell us some more about that trial, especially about its adaptive design. Certainly. I mean, the, the Going back to when we started uh, way back in March last year, when COVID-19 was just emerging, um, our intensive care colleagues at the um, Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham came to talk to us in the trials unit about how we can develop a trial to accelerate the evaluation of new therapies for COVID-19. Um, because they just really didn't have any, any effective treatments at that stage. Um, what was evident from the what was being understood about the biology of COVID-19 is there were lots of different ways you might approach treating it. Um, we, as, as most people know now, a lot of the symptoms of co severe COVID-19 is based on inflammatory response. But the, the mechanisms behind that, there were a number of different drugs that were being used to treat different diseases, cancer, um, uh, inflammatory diseases like arthritis, that could potentially be repurposed to treat um, COVID-19, as well as new drugs that were being developed uh, in, in pharmaceutical pipelines. So we designed a trial that the aim of which was to answer a very quick, rapid triage question of whether the drug would be safe to use in this patient population. And we were focusing on that hospital population with the severer end of the disease. Um, so whether it was safe to use in that population and what was the signal to say this drug might be effective. And the aim was that we would find those rapid signals so that the drugs could feed into the larger trials like the recovery trial as you know, the recovery trial is the trial that, that defined, for example, dexamethasone as a potentially good treatment for treatment of COVID-19. So we wanted to be the pipeline to feed into those big trials. So the adaptive nature of this trial was that we would recruit patients with, as I say, the severe end of, uh, of COVID-19 and randomise patients between the best standard of care at the time. And that could be adapted as new as drugs were being shown to be effective. We would change that standard of care. And then we would have a number of arms of the trial where patients could be randomised to ask a question about a new agent. And then we, the, the, we use something called Bayesian statistics, which is a, a way of, of continuously assessing the response to the drug um, in a small group of patients. 
and have a go, no go decision very early on with small numbers of patients. So a large phase three trial like recovery is recruiting thousands, if not tens of thousands of patients to get a definitive answer, where we're recruiting in the tens of patients. So the first analysis was done at 20 patients in each arm to say, what's the early signal that this drug could be useful in the treatment of this disease? And we were using biological markers of whether the disease, whether the drug was working in that disease. So for example, how it was impacting on the oxygenation of the patient or the inflammatory markers that we can measure in the blood. And so once we, we get to a, a point in the trial where one of the um, drugs can be analysed to say, yep, this is a useful drug, we can put that forward to recovery, um, or this drug will never be useful, this disease, and we can stop very quickly and not recruit uh, too many patients into that arm. So that's what we mean by the adaptive design. Like all clinical research, this is, I'm sure, very much a team effort. But it's particularly interesting that traditionally quite distinct groups have come together to design and deliver the trial. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that experience. Yes, it's been a phenomenal team effort to get this type of trial up and running so quickly. So the, the you know, obviously we have a trials team that involves people with expertise in uh, statistical design, our, our statisticians. We've got teams that are um, experts in the regulatory aspects of clinical trials and the management of clinical trials, our, our trial management teams and the, the quality assurance teams. These were brought together really in close working with a whole range of clinicians, both the respiratory uh, uh, physicians, the int intensive care physicians, people with expertise in cancer and rheumatoid uh, diseases, as well as the lab-based scientists. And it was the very regular meetings, and by meetings, obviously by Zoom, because by that time we were in lockdown when we were designing the trial and all the way through the trial. So we're having lots of very uh, frequent and intense Zoom meetings to really design the trial quickly and get all the milestones and all the work that's done to open a trial in short order and a pace I have to say I've never seen before and that was because everybody was committed to being able to open the trial quickly to try and find an answer for this very difficult disease. All clinical trials are obviously important but how important do you view this study? So obviously I, I would say this is a very important study but it is important in that it's part of a uh, a, a group of early phase platform trials that um, we have worked together as a team. There are four uh, trials that are approved in the UK for develop rapid development of early drugs for COVID-19. And by working together um, and, and being sure that we're not overlapping in the types of drugs that we're investigating, this is the perfect way to rapidly triage the new agents coming through to, for COVID-19. And this is, a, a, if you like, the feeder pipeline. If we can take as many drugs as possible, work out if they work or they don't work in this disease, and then feed it into the large phase three trials to get, that can then convert our initial signals into does this work in clinical practice? This is the best coordinated way of getting a rapid answer for COVID-19. I think the infrastructure of the um, NIHR and the CRNs and the NHS working together with the university sector, the UK is in a fantastic place to be able to find the best treatments for COVID-19. Thinking ahead, what do you think we're learning as clinical trialists in this pandemic? 
things that we might usefully take forward? I think the two main things that I'd say that we should take forward as trialists in the pandemic is the importance of team working and speed. And I think this is what COVID-19 trials have really delivered um, fantastically well. We've always worked together in teams and we've always wanted to open trials quickly. But when you're focused on one disease and everybody's got their mind on how can we do this? And by everybody, I mean from the, the clinicians and the patients you know, who've been involved in, in the design of our trials um, through to the, the funders and the regulators, if we all work together in that same direction, we can deliver trials much more rapidly than we, we have done historically. And I think you know, our regulatory bodies, our, our ethics committees, the MHRA and the HRA have all looked at their processes to see if we can take some of the bureaucracy out of clinical trial delivery to be able to get the trials open much more quickly in the NHS. And I hope that we can take that forward in the future. That's by no means to say that we should not continue to run trials in good governance and safely, but we can definitely streamline the process. I think one other thing to add is that science is what drives good clinical trials. And that has been a really core part of all the trials that have been designed by the clinical trials units used in COVID-19 and Catalyst, um, the choice of drugs that we've taken into Catalyst and the way that we've developed them are entirely based on the science as we know it for a disease about which we knew very little at the beginning. And we've, we've moved as the science has evolved, we've moved the trial in, um, to make sure that we're staying pace with what's coming out of the laboratories and out of the clinical service in terms of information about the disease. So that nimbleness to be able to adapt as you go through a clinical trial has been absolutely critical. Yes, team working and speed. I mean, not only have you highlighted those as important aspects of things we've learned from the pandemic, but I think you've also, you and your team with Catalyst have actually exemplified them as well. Um, Professor Cairns, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with me today. Thank you very much for inviting me for the podcast. Thank you for listening. We would very much welcome your feedback on these podcasts and I hope you will join us again next time.